Welcome to Brit David Podcast, as Pastor Tim brings us a message today entitled, Follow the Leader, from Joshua chapter 24, verses 1 through 28. Here's Pastor Tim. That's good. It's a good new song for us. The, um, this group that, uh, that just led us got to lead us every day uh, on the mission trip. At, at our morning rallies and got to lead us in worship and they taught us that song uh, so good and I'm so thankful for them and then Andrew too was up there uh, doing the words all during the week and uh, so appreciative to everybody that worked with that. In 1954 the Coca-Cola bottling company in Havana, Cuba hired a boy named Roberto to come and work there. He worked there for six years, and then his family immigrated to the United States, where he was able to get a job once again with the Coca-Cola Bottling Company. Never in his wildest dreams would he ever have imagined that he would become the CEO and chairman of the board for Coca-Cola. During his time, Roberto Guizetta, um, this week didn't help me any, um, Roberto Guizetta quadrupled the value of the Coca-Cola company in those years while he was their CEO. He, he, in a speech right before his untimely death, he, um, he said this. I want you to follow this with me. He said, a billion hours ago, human life appeared on earth. Now, I think he's wrong about that one, but I will hang in there because of the rest of the story. All right? So just walk with me on this. A billion hours ago, human life appeared on earth. A billion minutes ago, Christianity emerged. A billion seconds ago, the Beatles performed on the Ed Sullivan Show. A billion Coca-Colas ago was yesterday morning. (laughs) And the question we're asking ourselves now is, What must we do to make a billion Coca-Colas ago this morning? It's an incredible perspective that that man had. But later on in that speech, he revealed not just his perspective, but really his heart and his point of view. He spoke with such humility. It's not anything that I would have expected to hear from the CEO of one of the biggest corporations in America and really in all of the world. But he finished that by saying this. The true heritage of the Coca-Cola system is not its products or its financial strength or its sales records. The true heritage of the Coca-Cola system is its character. That's a leader worth following. That's the kind of man that you look up to and you say, that's the kind of person that I want to be and the kind of person that I want to work for. There sure have been a lot of people who've done that through the years. And you and I may not never be the the CEO of any similar-sized corporation. But you can be a leader like Roberto. You can be a leader like Joshua. In fact, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn there with me to the book of Joshua. And I want to take you today to the very last chapter, chapter number 24. The whole book has been an amazing, 
an amazing example of what true leadership is all about and, and to find a leader who really is worth following. But when you come to the end of the book and it's time for Joshua to now pass the torch, I find that he's an even greater leader in his last days than he was in the most turbulent of days. If you're there in Joshua chapter 24, I want us to read and catch up to the verses that we want to focus on tonight. Look, if you will, in verse number 1. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel, for their heads, for their judges, and for their officers. And they presented themselves before God. That's worth underlining, by the way. Joshua called them to himself, but who did they gather themselves before? They gathered themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nahor, dwelt on the other side of the river in old times, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from the other side of the river, led him throughout all the land of Canaan, and multiplied his descendants and gave him Isaac. To Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. To Esau I gave the mountains of Seir to possess. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. Also I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt according to what I did among them. Afterward... I brought you out. Then I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to the sea. And the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. So they cried out to the Lord, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians, brought the sea upon them, and covered them. And your eyes saw what I did in Egypt. Then you dwell in the wilderness... A long time. Then you dwelt in the wilderness a long time. And I brought you into the land of the Amorites, who dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. And they fought with you, but I gave them into your hand, that you might possess their land. And I destroyed them from before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose to make war against Israel, and sent and called Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam. Therefore he continued to bless you. So I delivered you out of his hand. Then you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho. And the men of Jericho fought against you. Also the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. But I delivered them into your hand. I sent the hornet before you which drove them out from before you, also the two kings of the Amorites, but not with your sword or with your bow. I have given you a land for which you did not labor and cities for which you did not build. And you dwell in them. You eat of the vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. I want to stop there for just a moment. All of that that we read about is found both in the book of Exodus and right here in the book of Joshua. Joshua becomes the leader of the Hebrews. They're not the nation of Israel yet. 
They are God's chosen people, and God has chosen Jacob to be the one to lead them into this new promised land and then to divide that land as God sees fit among those 12 tribes. Joshua's leadership is one of the greatest examples in all of the Bible of what leadership really does look like and what it ought to look like, whether we're talking about corporations or churches or even governments or even homes. We talk about our homes. There is a leader. There's a leader in your home. Maybe it is the dad. Maybe it's the mom. Sadly, in many homes, it's the children. But there is a leader in your home. The question becomes, what kind of leader will you be? And if you're not the leader, what kind of follower will you become? A person can really only be a good leader once they become a good follower. I've got to know how to follow the Lord, and I've got to know how to follow processes before I can ever lead another person down the direction that they need to go. That's why the Bible makes it so clear and so important, both for pastors and for deacons, that if he cannot lead his household, he's not qualified then to lead the church. If I can't lead those that are the closest to me, If I can't lead those who are supposed to love me the best and who know me better than anybody else, then how can I possibly lead somebody else? So I want to give you some things tonight out of these next few verses in Joshua 24 that tell me what it is that made Joshua such a good leader, frankly, what made Roberto such a good leader, And what will make you such a good leader? I have three of them. Number one, you need to learn to live out your convictions. Live out your convictions. This is an area where we do not not succeed as, as churches and even as society today. It's so difficult, it seems like, first of all, to develop real, genuine, biblical convictions. But it seems doubly hard in the society to live those things out. Now, I didn't say that it's not going to be hard. Being a leader ought to be hard. It ought to have difficult roads. If you're leading someone else, then you're trying to lead them through those difficulties so that you get them safely to the other side. You begin that by making convictions and then living them out. For Joshua, I mean, this was not easy. Can you imagine following somebody like Moses? I mean, Moses was the greatest. He still is as far as the Jewish nation is concerned. He's the greatest leader who ever lived. And now, and now Joshua has to follow that. That's not an easy task. It's certainly not an easy task when you're one of only two who would say, yes, let's follow the Lord, when the rest of the dozen say, no, we can't do that. 
Joshua learned early on what it meant to have convictions and to stand upon them. Didn't make him popular all the time. We find Joshua out roaming the wilderness, wondering what he's going to do and how he's going to lead these people. When it's the pre-incarnate Christ that appears right before him, Joshua immediately begins to think like we think, like natural people think, thinking only of the world and only of the world systems. And he draws his sword and says, Who are you? Are you friend or foe? Christ says, I'm not either. (laughs) I am the Lord. To which Joshua laid his sword down. And we begin to understand where his convictions come from. If you don't have a solid foundation with the Savior... You're going to be hard-pressed to find convictions that will help you to last. Can you imagine? After, After an encounter with the Lord, Joshua goes back to his men, his military men, his that were great strategists, and to say to them, I know how we're going to defeat this walled city. You know, the wall around Jericho was so thick that they would ride two separate chariots side by side and race them on top of the wall. How are they ever going to get through? Certainly they have battering rams. Certainly they have fire. Certainly they have ropes that they may climb that wall. What did God say to do? Just... Just walk around it. Just just walk. Just just walk and be quiet. Don't say anything. Now they're going to yell at you, right? (laughs) What are y'all doing down there? Don't don't answer them. Y'all think something's going to happen to you walking around this wall? Don't, Don't reply to that. You just walk around the wall and then go home. Now tomorrow what I want you to do is to do the same thing. And then the same thing, and then the same thing, and then the same thing, and then the same thing. And then we're going to change it up a little bit. On day number seven, I want you to walk around it seven times. And this time you get to yell and shout and scream and beat the drums and do all the stuff that you really want to do. And the wall falls. But can you imagine what it was like in those planning meetings? Joshua, we're going to do what? We're going to walk around the wall. How many walls have you ever walked around, Joshua? How many of them fell down? You know, Joshua had to live out his convictions. Listen to me. When no one else shared them. If your convictions are biblical, if your convictions come from the Lord, It doesn't matter if your closest friend doesn't share that conviction. You live it out. I've told some of my pastor friends before, sometimes I feel like a dinosaur. I live in an age and a culture that does not respect some of the convictions that I have. 
And that's just going to have to be okay. You don't change your convictions based on what other people believe. You don't change your convictions based on what the culture says. They are convictions. And so as you live those things out, you are proving what you genuinely believe. In this case, in two specific areas. Number one, live out your convictions so that you prove what you believe about grace. What you believe about God's grace. About God's goodness. Living by convictions doesn't mean that you become legalistic. Living by conviction doesn't mean that, that, certain, that, that now suddenly there's a set of rules, a set of do's, and a set of don'ts. It means that you discover who God is and you implement it. Look at these verses that we kind of read leading up to this particular point. Go back with me to um, to the end of verse 11. When he talks about all the ites. And he says, I delivered them into your hand. You didn't do that. At the end of verse 12, you didn't do that with your sword. You didn't do that with your bow. You did not win the battle at Jericho, the battle at Ai, or any of those other battles. I won them, says the Lord. And Did you notice what he said in verse number 13? What an incredible verse. I have given you a land for which you did not labor. I gave you cities which you did not build. You dwell in them. You eat of the vineyards and the olive groves which you did not plant. And the emphasis is, I planted them. God has provided for them by His grace. And now they live it out. Yes, they can wave their flags. And yes, they can be patriotic of their people and who they are. But I, I don't like some of the euphemisms that we, that we use concerning our country. That we're a country that's built by pulling, us, pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps. That we are self-made men and women. That we're a self-made nation. It's not what our forefathers thought. It's not for what they fought. God planted us here. And until that becomes the basis, the convictional basis of who we are as a nation, we're going to continue to elect the people that we've been electing. Live out your convictions. Prove what you believe about God's grace and about God's goodness. Number two, live out your convictions so that you prove what you believe about God. What you believe about Him, Himself. Let's fast forward just a little bit. Joshua has told them, you know, you need to decide. 
who you're going to serve. And Joshua makes it clear that he is determined that he's going to serve the Lord. So at the end of verse number 18, they say, We also will serve the Lord, for He is our God. (laughs) You may be surprised to read what you read in verse 19. But Joshua said to the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then He will turn and do you harm and consume you even after He has done you good. Joshua knows the Lord. He knows who God is. He knows what God's attributes are. And he doesn't just fall in line and falter over the the butterflies and roses. I think all the good stuff. You know, we, we, we enjoy trusting God for good things. And we praise Him and we applaud Him for the good things that happen in our life. Sometimes it's the difficulties. It's the valleys. It's the ravines that are a part of God's goodness to us. Even Job said it to his wife that kept telling him, you need to curse God and die. And what did he say? He said, why should we bless God for the good things he does for us and then not bless him for the other things that he does for us? God is at work. God has not changed. He is a jealous God. He is a holy God. He is a forgiving God. He is a just God. Just because He is love does not mean that He is not righteous. And what Joshua is telling them is stop playing games. Stop just saying what you think. Oh, yeah, I mean, we're going to serve the Lord too. Stop saying what you don't mean. Start meaning what you say and follow it out in obedience before God. Live out your convictions. If there's anything that this world needs that we lack so desperately in Christians is biblical, convictional living. Stop being tossed about by the current of the culture. Because it is going to change. And it is at some point going to be a riptide. And try to drag you right out into it. Thank you for joining us here today on Brit David Podcast. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is church office at BritDavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Brit David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast.